You ever wonder, who does stuff like that? That's the handiwork, the, uh, the super uh, abilities of Pastor Brant Cole. So thanks. Uh, little things like that, yeah, take an immense amount of time. And uh, we uh, sometimes just slide right by and forget to acknowledge that. Today, we're going to look at a really obscure parable. Um, I, I think this is so obscure that I've never taught about it. I've never preached on this parable. Um, until I dug in, I'm thinking, is that really a parable? Uh, so anyway, uh, we're in Luke chapter 7. If you want to open up on your phone or in your Bibles, uh, and, and I'll give you a little context. Um, John the Baptist is likely in prison, and now he's got some doubts going on. And he's struggling with, is this really Jesus? Is this really the one? So he calls some of his followers and he says, why don't you go to Jesus and here's what I want you to ask him. Luke 7 and verse 20, hey Jesus, are you the one who is to come or should we just be looking for someone else? Should we expect somebody else? Uh, are you really the one that we've been looking for? So again, context, John is arrested, he's awaiting, he's not sure. We know eventually uh, he's going to lose his head, okay? So he's in prison uh, because he had the courage to challenge Herod. Hey, Herod, why have you stolen your brother Philip's wife and acting like this is your wife, it's actually your brother's wife, okay? And, and Herod was so af afraid of John and yet angry at John. He was afraid to kill him, but he was so mad he had him imprisoned. So while he's riding away in prison, John has doubts. And he says to his disciples, uh, hey, go to Jesus and ask God with skin on, are you really the anointed one? Are you really the one that we're looking for? And I love this fact. Take note. Jesus is not upset that John has questions. Isn't that good? Think about it. And, and, and I would say to you today, Jesus is still not upset at us when we have honest, hard questions. He, he, he's not mad. He's not upset. He answers his questions, and he answers them in a great way. Look at verse 22, Luke chapter 7. Jesus says, go back and report to John... Uh, and, and tell him what you've seen with your eyes and what you've heard from eyewitnesses. Here's what he says. Go back to John and say, verse 23, Luke 7, blind people can now see. Lame people are now able to walk. People with leprosy are now clean. Uh, people who can't hear their death are now able to hear. There's even some people who were dead who are now alive. That's a pretty cool answer, isn't it? Okay, So you go back and tell John, I'm the one. Everything the Old Testament promised, I'm doing. Okay, And after John's messengers leave, verse 24, Jesus tells the crowd about John the Baptist. And here's what he says. He says, verse 24, John lived way out in the wilderness, and when you saw him, what did you see? What did you see in John the Baptist? 
Was, was he just this wimpy little guy? Was he like a little shrub and every little puff of wind just blew him over? Was that how John was? And they're all going, no, no. Uh, was he all fancy and dressed up in tuxedo and tie and top hat? Was that how John looked? Was that how he lived? Um, no, he didn't hang out with fancy clothes in palaces. John spoke strong and clear and blunt, Jesus says. He was my man. John the Baptist is my prophet. Verse 29, Luke chapter 7, tells us that many who are listening right then when Jesus is talking had been baptized by John. They knew what Jesus was saying was exactly correct. He was the Christ. He was the forerunner for Jesus. Verse 30, this is key, Luke chapter 7. But the Pharisees, the experts of the law, the religious leaders of Israel, okay, they didn't like John's message. They were out there again and again, but when John was talking to them, he didn't like, they didn't like how John spoke to them because he said, y'all are sinners and you need to repent and you need to turn from your sin. Do the U-turn. And they're thinking, no, no, no. We, we don't like your tune. We don't like your tone, John. And everybody knew they didn't like what John was all about. Here's what Jesus says, verse 28. This is pretty neat. Uh, John was the greatest man ever born of a woman. Wouldn't it be great to have Jesus say, the greatest man ever born of a woman, John the Baptist. So that's my forerunner. That's my guy. And now Jesus is going to give us a gloomy autopsy of the Jewish religious leaders. He's got a little parable, and that's what we're going to examine here this morning. It's often called the parable of the spoiled religious brats. <laughs> the parable, we got it up there? The parable of the spoiled religious brats. No? Am I not seeing it? No? I take my glasses off. Okay. No? Uh, anyway, that's what it's called. Would you stand with me if you're able? We're going to read verses 31 to 35. Uh, a most interesting but rather obscure parable. Uh, Luke chapter 7. You ready? Let's read out loud together. Jesus went on to say, To what then can I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to each other. We played the pipe for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not cry. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say, he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, here is a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right all her children. That's the parable. <laughs> We're going to dig in. Pray with me, would you please? Lord, thank you for allowing us to be here together, gathered uh, in person, watching online, but all together right now, your church, Lord, we're, we're digging into your book. You've given us this kingdom story to grow us, to teach us, to challenge us, to wake us up. And Lord, I'm praying that you'll do all of those things today through your book. 
open our eyes, open our hearts, our minds, and our wills. And uh, we invite your spirit, the third person of the Trinity, would you come now? We welcome you today in your church. Come take charge. Nudge us, teach us, prompt us. You know exactly where each of us are at. Lord, uh, help us to take that next step with you. And Lord, would you help this weak-eyed preacher to speak clearly for you this morning? And all the church family, watching online, gathered here in person, said with one united voice, you can be seated. Here's the main idea. Here's, uh, here's kind of what this parable is saying. When we refuse the king's message, when we refuse to dance to the king's tune, we're behaving like spoiled religious brats. Kind of fun to say. You want to say brats with me? Yeah. Brats. Yeah. Yeah. We're behaving like spoiled religious brats. The religious leaders of Jesus' day, that's who he's aiming this at, they could not be pleased, okay? They, they rejected John the Baptist. Why? You're too strong. You're too brash. You're too blunt. You're too fire and brimstone. We don't like your style. So they dismissed him. And then the other way, they rejected Jesus. You're, you're too social. You spend too much time with sinners. You hang with people that we consider awful and unclean, we reject you too, Jesus. Got it? We reject John the Baptist. We reject Jesus. They refused to acknowledge, here's key, they too were sinners and they needed a Savior, a Messiah, to die on the cross for them, shed his blood for their sin problem, rise from the dead for their salvation. They thought they were good people, therefore, they didn't need salvation. What they missed is that they were dead people, and they needed to be brought back to life through Jesus Christ. Do you understand? They, they thought they were good, and they thought being good was enough, and that's not true. They needed to be made alive through Jesus Christ. They didn't like the message so they rejected the style. You tracking with me? That, that's really what's going on. They, they didn't like the style and the methods of John the Baptist, and then they didn't like the style and the methods of Jesus. So let's go back now, verse 31. Let's dig in to this little parable. Jesus says, to what can I compare the people of this generation? Now, now let me set the tone. Crowd gathered around. Likely, many of these Jewish religious leaders are right there in the crowd, okay? And here he gives them this, this little parable, okay? So they're right there, and they're saying they've rejected John's message, and they refuse to be baptized as sinners in need of a Savior. Verse 32, next verse, they're acting like little children playing games in the marketplace, Think the farmer's market in Boyne City or Petoskey. How many of you have been to the farmer's market? Can I see your hands? Okay. Um, it's, it's like you've got some of the parents are likely selling 
um, goods and selling their produce, and you have other parents who are buying the produce and buying the goods, and while they're doing that, the children in the marketplace are playing games. And the game of choice here seems to be, let's play adult. Let's imitate our parents and what we see going on around us. And they pick two of the things that would have been the biggest events in town, okay? Let's, let's play weddings, let's play funerals. And you need to understand at this time, funerals lasted for days. It wasn't just a couple hours. The events would go on for days, and weddings were the same way. When you had a wedding, it was a big deal. It was ornate. So again, they said, let's play funeral, let's play wedding, and that, that's what they were going to do as little children in the marketplace. Funerals, public mourning, everyone would dress in black. They would even hire, if you were well-to-do, professional criers and wailers. Can you imagine? Uh, can you imagine being hired and your job is to wail loudly and to cry profusely because that let everyone know the deceased was so loved and so missed and we're proving that by how loud we are in missing our beloved one who's just died, okay? So little kids, can you imagine watching all that and, and they would get, let's, let's play funeral. And then they would say, let's play wedding, elaborate, ornate, many days of feasting and banquets and processions would go by with the wedding party and everybody would cheer and most of the town would get invited to the celebration, okay? So the children are saying, first, let's play funeral. So they, they say, let's sing this sad funeral song and we'll all pretend that we're at a funeral. And the other children say, no, I don't feel like playing funeral. I'm not going to play that game. Um, so then they say, well, let, let's play wedding then. Um, and uh, one of the children plays a happy wedding tune on their little wooden pipe. And again, the children say, no, we don't feel like playing wedding today. We don't want to play funeral, and we don't want to play wedding. We, we don't really want to play. So what's up with the children? What's, what's going on here? We played a happy dance, and you rejected that tune. We played song, song, blues, and you didn't want to sing that tune either. Are you ready? Give me your eyes. These children are the religious leaders. They, they are the religious leaders of the nation of Israel, and they are stubborn, and they are indifferent, and they are hard-hearted no matter what tune is played for them. Tracking? He's likening the religious leaders to these children in the marketplace. They're behaving like spoiled religious brats. Go back to the text. Verse 33. If I can find it. Here, Here we go. For John the Baptist, verse 33. Came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say, he's got a demon. Okay. Jesus says John's ministry was like the funeral. John's ministry 
was somber and serious and strong. John was always talking about judgment is coming and you need to repent and do the U-turn and get baptized, which was an outward sign that you were turning from your sinful ways. Okay? John was preaching fire and brimstone. John was confrontational, in your face, repent or be judged, or we might say turn or burn. That's what John was all about. He was really strong, really blunt, really in your face, okay? And uh, many people responded to that strong message. You can look at Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. That's your homework for today. You can look it up and see. It seems like a big crowd responded and were baptized, admitting they were sinners and turning from their sinful ways, okay? But the religious brats, they, they didn't like John's message, okay? And because they didn't like his message, they canceled him. That, that's a thing today, you understand? And if you don't like somebody, and if you don't like what they stand for, well, we're going to cancel you. I just want you to know that's not a new thing. That's been going on since way back in, in, in God's book, okay? They said things like he dresses strange, he lives in the wilderness, he eats really weird things, locusts and honey, he's a bug eater, um, and here's the talking point, therefore, he must be possessed. John must be demon-possessed. He's got wild behavior, he's bizarre, he talks in really strange ways, therefore, we're going to let the word out, we believe John the Baptist is demonic. He's, he's possessed by a demon. And here's the question, why would they say that John the Baptist was possessed by a demon? Why, why would they say that? Are you ready? Because they hated his message. It had nothing to do with the way he dressed. It had nothing to do with what he ate it really was all about their hearts were hard and they resented being challenged and called sinners. So since we don't like your message, we're going to cancel you. We're, we're, we're going to reject you, John. Okay? Now, Jesus' ministry was much different than John's ministry. Okay? I, I would say it this way. If they lived in Michigan, John the Baptist was from the UP. Okay? And if you wanted to go and hear John the Baptist, you had to go to him, okay? Because he was hard to reach, but lots of people went there anyway. Jesus lived in downtown Detroit, okay? And he lived amongst the people, and the crowds followed him everywhere he went. Jesus went to weddings. He went to banquets. He went to funerals. Uh, people would invite him to their house for dinner. Think Zacchaeus. He's there. Uh, Jesus was there amongst the people, okay? John's ministry was like a funeral, serious, uh, very blunt. Jesus' ministry was much more like a wedding, okay? Jesus' uh, ministry was grace and healing and mercy and caring and compassion and healing the sick. He came to seek and to save. Matter of fact, if you go to Matthew 9 and verse 15, Jesus compared his life as though he were the bridegroom. He actually says that. He says, I'm the bridegroom, 
and my disciples are my groomsmen, okay? John was alone and all by himself up there in the wilderness. Jesus was known as a friend of sinners and tax collectors, Luke 15, 1 and 2. Because they didn't like John's message, what did they say? He's a, he's a demonized man. He's wild and bizarre, and, and he's awful. Stay away from John. And because they didn't like Jesus' message, look at verse 34. Here's what they said. He's a glutton. He's a drunkard. He's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Jesus is a party animal. Don't listen to him. They rejected both John and Jesus because they hated the truth of the message they delivered. Did you catch that? They rejected John and Jesus uh, because they didn't like the things they were saying, the truth that they were delivering, and therefore they rejected them both. These spoiled religious brats rejected mourning with John or enjoying and celebrating and laughing with Jesus. We, we want nothing to do with either one of you. Why? We don't like your message. Verse 35. Here's what it says. But wisdom is proven right by all her children. But wisdom is proven correct by all her children. Meaning, not all who hear the gospel message are going to reject it. Not everybody who hears the words of Jesus or the words of John, not everybody is going to say, no, thank you, and reject it. Matter of fact, when we accept the message of King Jesus and dance to the king's tune, we live wise lives, and we reveal the king's wisdom to a watching world. That's huge. When, when, we, when we accept the message, we believe it, we live it, we're dancing to the tune of King Jesus. We're living wise lives. And everybody around us will know that we're living strong for Jesus. They're watching us. So, what should we learn from this little parable? I'm going to suggest three things, okay? What should we live, learn from this little obscure parable? I think... There's, there's some good things to learn. First, God uses a variety of methods to reach a variety of people. God uses a variety of different styles and preferences to reach a wide variety of different people. I, I would even say it this way. Sometimes you look at different churches and you say, wow, how can they all be worshiping Jesus? They do it in such different styles. And I would say, again, God uses a variety of styles and preferences and methods to reach a lot of different people. The, method, the methods, okay, they can vary and change, but the message should never change. Did you catch that? The methods, uh, the style, the outside uh, package, that's going to vary from person to person, from preacher to preacher, from church to church. That's going to vary, but the message cannot change. You understand? We, we can't change or alter the message. So the challenge is to learn to distinguish between methods and styles and techniques and make sure the message is there. What's the message? 
Jesus is God with skin on, born into a manger, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, took on the sins of all of mankind, shed his blood, took our place in the grave, and arose victoriously early Sunday morning. That's the main thing, right? That's the gospel. That's the message. That's what can never change. Here's the problem. Give me your eyeballs. I'll look at you a little bit. We often get upset and judgy and angry when someone's methods are different than ours. That's where a lot of the, the rub comes in Christianity. Well, I don't like the fact that your preference is this way and you have this style and you have this method <clears throat> and my preference is different than yours. Want some examples? Um, some would say, well, I don't like organs and hymnals and liturgy. And others would mumble back, and I don't like drums and guitars and preachers and sunglasses. You understand? We, we, we get all caught up in the outward package, and we don't notice the main thing, okay? The question that we should be asking, are they teaching the truth of Jesus? Are they talking about the cross and the shed blood and that we're sinners and we need to repent and accept what Jesus did for us and rising from the dead, okay? Here's what legalism does, you ready? Takes neutral, disputable issues of style and personality and preference and makes them the main thing. And oftentimes, we want to make our methods and our style and our preferences, now suddenly that's the main thing and you better do it my way. Can, can I just say that's exactly what the religious brats were doing. They were, they were focusing on the style of John the Baptist, focusing on the style and the methods of Jesus, and they missed the main thing. And I hear all the time, and I got to be careful I don't do it too, well, well, that preacher, he's just too serious. Well, well, that teacher, he tells too many jokes. Well, well, this preacher is way too deep, and he's theological. He's hard to understand. But this one is way too shallow. And, you know, it's like, it's like they think I'm still in kindergarten. Um, um, I, I like this one because he's got a great British or Scottish accent. Oh, well, but this one, he's too twangy, and I can't stand that twanginess in his voice. Uh, this one dresses great. I'm telling you, suit, tie, looks like a preacher. This guy wears torn jeans and he's got tattoos. No way. Give me your eyes. Question is, are they singing Jesus' tune? The, the key question we should, all, are, are they talking about God's book and the cross and the empty tomb? Are, are they keeping the main thing the main thing? Okay? Now, again, we're going to make choices who we listen to and who we want to be under their teaching. And their, I get that, but we don't judge them because they have a different style. We don't judge them. We don't talk down about them because they do things in a way that doesn't fit you. Keep the main thing the main thing. That's first. Second thing for us to learn here from this parable. If they, uh, let's see what time it is. I could blame it on the sunglasses. Sorry, Andy. Couldn't see the clock. Um, second thing for us to learn from this parable, if they rejected the tune, 
that John the Baptist played for his generation, and if they rejected the tune that Jesus played for his generation, we can expect that they're probably not going to like our tune when we talk about and live daily for Jesus. So often, people don't like the message about Jesus that we're sharing, and we're shocked. <laughs> they, they didn't like it. They, they don't want to hear me talk about Jesus. They rejected John and Jesus, and most of the time, they're not going to like your message either. If, if you're singing about Jesus, if the tune you're playing is about Jesus, um, they're probably not going to like your message either. Now, here I want to say this real quickly on the heels of that, but I would encourage you right now, church family, keep singing the tune. <laughs> keep singing about Jesus. Keep talking about Jesus. Keep living strong for Jesus, but they're, they're, they're saying bad things about me. You know, they're calling me, you know, you, you're just such a Jesus freak. You're a Bible thumper. You could just, they, they, they don't like what I have Keep speaking up with love and grace and truth. That's, our, that's how Jesus talks about him. He spoke with love and grace and truth, and we're supposed to follow that lead. We don't do it rudely. We, we don't speak up for Jesus uh, in ugly ways, but we speak about him and sing for him with love and grace and truth. Keep, keep singing. The world needs us to keep singing that tune, even if they're going to reject it. Third thing for us to learn and we're done. Just because you got dressed and came here to be in church in person, just because you tuned in and you're watching us online here this morning, that doesn't mean that you're a Jesus follower. Just because you're interested in Jesus and John and the Bible um, lots of folks in Jesus' day were interested, but they never chose to follow Jesus. Think about the Jewish religious leaders. They went out to the wilderness again and again and again. Why? Because they, they were kind of interested in what John the Baptist had to say. And the Jewish religious leaders, they followed Jesus around from town to town to town, and they listened to his teaching and they watched him do the miraculous. But I like how Pastor Brandt said it last week. But they never bowed the knee to Jesus. Got it? They, they never bowed the knee to the king. They were interested. They were listening. They had lots of questions. But they never bowed their knee to the king and invited Jesus to be the king and savior and friend that they need in their lives. So we need to ask, have you opened the door of your life and said, Jesus, I like the tune that you sing. I, I, I want to sing with you for the rest of my life. H have you done that personally for you? I just want you to know, mom can't do that for you. Husband or wife can't do that for you. Your child, you got to do that for you. Would you say this morning, I don't want to be one of those spoiled religious brats. No, thank you, Jesus. I don't like your message. I'm not ready to join your band right now. I'm going to challenge you. Just because you're here 
doesn't mean you've said, Jesus, I accept what you did for me on the cross. Religious leaders, they didn't like to acknowledge they were great sinners in need of a great Savior. It's exactly why Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. People who realize they're lost and they're in need of what only Jesus did for us on the cross. Shed his blood, took our place in the grave, arose victoriously, dead, alive, so that I can be alive. I'm, I'm dead spiritually, and Jesus, I need you to come alive in my life right now. It's powerful. <laughs> the message changes our lives. Will you accept that challenge today? Will you say yes to Jesus and invite him into your life? Bow your heads. Touch your eyes as we close. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your book and even obscure little parables, Lord, are packed with power and punch. So, Thank you for this parable that we got to study together today. Would you right now speak to our lives? We're all in different places. Some of us have been following your son for a long time. Show us what this parable has to say to us. Others, it's been not very long. And still others here today maybe haven't yet decided to bow their knee to your son Jesus. Would you speak? We're listening. Maybe you're like me, and, and it's so tempting to get focused on style and methods and preferences and disputable matters. Lord, would you keep us from being judgy and ugly at people? Help us instead, Lord, to always be looking for the main thing. Are, are we on the same team? <laughs> are they preaching your son Jesus? Are they... Are, are they talking about the cross and the shed blood and the empty tomb. If they are, Lord, we're on the same team. Keep me, keep us from being critical and judgmental on the minor issues. Lord, would you help us to keep singing for you and living for you and talking up about you even when the people around us they might reject the message they rejected you Lord they rejected uh, your main man John the Baptist they're likely going to many or even most of the time reject us would you help us to just keep on singing and speaking up help us to do with love and grace and truth as you give us opportunities Finally, Lord, if there's anyone here today in person, anybody watching online right now, and they're interested, they'd like to hear about the message. they like to hear about your word and, and Jesus. 
They've just not yet bowed the knee. Would you wake them up even today? Make them hungry and thirsty to bow the knee and say yes to your son Jesus. If that's you here today, today is the day of salvation. You don't have to wait till tomorrow or next week or next month. Today is the day that Jesus right now is knocking on your heart's door. And if you've never opened the door of your life, bowed your knee to Jesus and invited him in to be your king, your savior, your friend. Would you do that today? Would you do that even right now? (laughs) Jesus, I need you. I'm ready to sing your song. I'm ready to join your band, and that's for keeps. Jesus, I'm ready to be one of your followers Be my Savior, my Lord, and I want to start that journey now. If you're watching online, you can hit that prayer button right now. You can tell them, I'm I'm ready to follow Jesus today. If you're here in person, we'd love to talk with you. Find me, make it over to the prayer corner. We'd love to rejoice with you, get you off well on this journey with Christ. So, So how do you do that? There are facts of the gospel. Okay, ready? Jesus left the glory and the splendor of heaven, took on a human form, sinless life. Therefore, Jesus alone qualifies to be the sinless Lamb of God. He willingly took our place on the cross. He willingly allowed his blood to be shed. Why? Because my greatest problem is your greatest problem. We're sinners. And only the shed blood of Christ can wash and cleanse and put us in right relationship with God Almighty. He died on that cross. They buried him, but he didn't stay dead because early Sunday morning, he literally bodily, physically arose from the dead. He did that for you. He did that for me. Those are the facts. Jesus, right now, by faith, I believe you did that for me. I believe those facts. I say, yes, I trust in you. And now, Jesus, I open the door of my life and I invite you in. I receive you as my Savior and my King, my friend. Take charge of my life. You make that decision today. We'll get you a Bible. We'll get you off to a great start. We'll cheer you on. Do that online. We'll do that here in person. Lord, thank you. It's sweet and wonderful to trust in you, to live for you, to study and worship you together as we dig into your book. It's in Jesus' wonderful name we pray all these things.